What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. Okay, it's now time for part four of the top 50 albums of 1972. So we've now entered into the top 20 albums of said year. And I've been saying it all along, and i got to say that I feel like I'm still telling the truth when I say we have reached an absolute upper level of 1972 records, starting with this episode right here. I think pretty much this is the line where, you know, I've been saying, you should get this record, you should, but we're pretty much into what is law now at this point for me and for my opinion. So all these albums in the top 20 are just the absolute best albums of 1972 according to me and there's so much amazing stuff coming up here and i feel like we're going to set the table very well with this one right here i completely expected this first album the one that comes here in at number 20 i completely expected this to be in the top 10 just looking over the list right up front because i kind of do that i kind of scroll through everything i'm going to listen to and you know i kind of see if i can figure it out right up there on front street and I was like, this will definitely be in the top 10. The fact that it's number 20 should speak to how great these records are. It's no discounting how great this album is. It just happens to be number 20. The third studio album under the name just T-Rex, but the seventh overall, Mark Bolin and T-Rex, Tyrannosaurus Rex, whatever you want to call them, but the third album under the T-Rex banner, The Slider. Yes, many people consider Slider to be their best album ever i i don't know I, I i've never really actually assessed this entire catalog i do have some personal faves but yeah i don't know where this would land in the overall scheme of things it's very 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 good and i think it's an essential album so maybe at some point i'll do that catalog but yeah this is a great album came out july 21st 1972 produced by the great tony visconti guy's been doing great work his whole life all the essential elements that make a great T-Rex album are on here. Of course, the great writing and attitude of Mark Bolin, just the ultimate cool rock and roll star of all time. You got the great Flo and Eddie on backup vocals from the Turtles, and they sing on so many records. Zappa, Alice, the list goes on. Hell, I was even checking out a record from 1982 the other day that they're on. A Psychedelic Furs album. <laughs> so yeah, Flo and Eddie got around. So let's get into the slider here. So many great songs to choose from. I'm probably going to say that a lot over the course of the next 20 records. Metal Guru, Slider, good God. 
Telegram Sam, Ballroom of Mars, where do we start? Baby Strange even. I'm going to go with this one right here. This was kind of one of my early entry songs into my fandom of T-Rex, and I'll give Guns N' Roses the credit for this. So kicking off the show here today, this is Buick McCain. Kicking off the show here today and getting us into the top 20 albums of 1972 with The Slider by T-Rex. That was Buick McCain and 
the song that I chose to represent, and it was one of my first favorite T-Rex songs, and still one of my favorites to this day. Now we move on to number 19, and actually this album does have something in common with The Slider by way of an association with Ringo Starr. Ringo actually has apparently a sleeve photography credit on The Slider. He took some of the pictures that wound up in the inner sleeve of the record, and he actually plays drums under a pseudonym under the name Richie Snare on this next album right here. Coming in at number 19, Harry Nilsson's Son of Schmilson. Now, you can just tell right there by the title, it is a follow-up album to his massively successful and critically acclaimed album, Nilsson Schmilson, which is still considered to be the most essential of the Harry Nilsson catalog. And I equally love Son of Schmilson. It definitely takes more chances, for sure. It's the contrarian record. It's definitely almost Harry rebelling against the success that he has obtained. And a lot of people say he just shot himself in the foot with this record, even by including this song that I'm about to play. This is one of the great songs of all time, but upon release, uh, apparently a lot of returns on this record just due to this one song. People were offended, they were shocked, they were appalled. And the rest of the album doesn't really sound like this. There's you know a lot of good, well-written ballads, as we know Harry to do. A couple of funny songs... I guess this would be considered a funny song, although it was hated at the time. Once again, I think it's one of the greatest songs ever. So I definitely had to include it here to represent the album, Son of Schmilson. Here is the late, great Harry Nilsson, one of my top ten songwriters of all time, with You're Breaking My Heart. You're breaking my heart, you're tearing it apart, so
No one could ever say it quite like Harry, in my opinion. Miss that guy. That was Harry Nelson with You're Breaking My Heart from the Son of Schmilson album. You could see him on the cover dressed up like Dracula. He was out to shock and titillate and all that good stuff. So, yes. Need more like you, Harry. Moving on here. Here's someone we need a lot more like as well. People have often tried to imitate this person over the last few decades and have never gotten it right. It's just someone who is a true original and you just can't pull it off. There's so many people I could bring up that are true originals and this person belongs in that Hall of Fame for sure. Aretha Franklin with probably her most acclaimed studio album, Young, Gifted, and Black, came out right at the top of the year on January 24th, 1972, co-produced by Tom Dowd, Arif Martin, and Jerry Wexler. Jerry, I believe, is one of the founders of Atlantic Records, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, we're in 1972, Aretha already up to her 18th studio album. And like I said, this is her most acclaimed record for good reason. It is a great top-to-bottom listen. Nice mix of original material and covers. So it's really interesting. I've never, ever listened to this album top-to-bottom, full disclosure, until about last year. It came out during the Rhino Records Black History Month reissue series. And I was like, man, I need to get this record. So I got it, and you know, I just put it on. And hearing some of these songs come in, I was like, oh, wow, I never knew she covered that. Of course, I had heard a few songs off of this in advance. But hearing her do Beatles, Long and Winding Road, uh, Delphonics, Didn't I Blow Your Mind This Time, which had only come out the year before. And I believe another song that came out the year prior to it, Border Song by Elton John. She covers all those songs right at the very end of the record. So she just sends it home in a huge way. But one of her most popular and iconic songs also appears on this record, just further adding to its legend. And I'm going to go ahead and play that because in its circle of fans, this is an obvious song, but maybe it's not so obvious to some people out there. So I definitely need to play this. One of the great songs of all time. And I got to rep it here for doing a somewhat definitive picture of 1972. So here is the late great Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, and rock steady.
What it is, you ask, that is Rocksteady by Aretha Franklin from the number 18 album of 1972, Young, Gifted, and Black. Some might say too low. You know, you have a pretty decent argument there, but hey, moving on here to album number 17. Big debut coming up here. Definitely one of the top rookie bands of 1972. This record came out on June 16th, produced by Peter Sinfield and would start and continue on with the trend of putting models on the cover, further adding to the whole art rock scene and imaging and all that stuff. It just goes perfectly with the music, and that is Roxy music. I love me some Roxy music, and I'm not just one of those nerds that says first two records only with Eno. That's a stupid thing to say. But they were great on album one, right in the get-go of things. And the song I chose, definitely my favorite song on the record. It was a big hit single for him. It's not like a big hit single to where you turn on the radio today and hear it. Only the cooler stations that exist probably out there in satellite land and podcast form are going to play this song. But it's a very important song. And now, I don't want to start a whole thing, but getting into the whole UK versus US thing where the single doesn't get put on the record. So in initial pressings of this album, this song was not included on the record if you lived in their home country in the UK. But we got it over here in America. So I, from day one, have always considered this to be a part of the album. So, so much so that I'm including it as its representative. Sorry if you don't feel that way. You're missing out. (laughs) But to represent the debut self-titled album by Roxy Music, this is Virginia Plain.
yeah, you're so chic To the level of the week Just me too, got to search for something new Love that. Virginia Plain by Roxy Music off of their debut self-titled album. A catalog that is massively worth your time. Hopefully I get a chance to go see Roxy later on this year. They're coming to town. And I hope that they play a good amount of the Siren album. Because that's my favorite Roxy Music album. And even though we're sticking with England for number 16, we're going to play something completely different. From the art scene... From the snazzy, fancy suits and boas and platform shoes, we're moving over to the dirty, long-haired, blues-based rock and roll of Deep Purple. And their most successful album, I think easily, even though they have great albums all through their catalog in all different decades. Well, at least the 60s, 70s, and 80s. But uh, yes, Machine Head came out March 25th, 1972, self-produced. I even know without even looking that that album was recorded in Montreux, because that is the tale of Smoke on the Water. The infamous Frank Zappa gig, of course. But yeah, what else can you really say about Machine Head? There are these two songs on there that, once again, to this moment, is being played probably locally on one of the rock stations here in town, which means it's being played over hundreds of thousands of cities right now as I speak. But once again, I'm torn. I'm just torn. Like... I said two songs, three songs. There's three massive songs off of Machine Head, Highway Star, Smoke on the Water, Space Trucking. Now, out of the seven songs on there, that's basically almost half the record. Especially lengthwise, it's definitely half the record. But, and you know, I feel, once again, I'm struggling with the whole, do I represent the year or do I go deep? I'm going to play one of those three songs, but... Out of the three, I'll just say, this is the one I'm least sick of. Obviously, the other songs are great songs, but if I had to choose between one of the three, and I recently had a freeway moment with this song, and I finally understood it in a way, but this song, I kind of never get sick of it. It's just great. It's one of the greatest songs ever committed to tape. So here you go, to represent Machine Head, this is Highway Star.
forgive my regular terrestrial ass there for about six minutes, but in my opinion, it can't go wrong with Highway Star. Highway Star by Deep Purple, off the Machine Head record, definitely an essential album from 1972. And this next one ties in really well with Deep Purple. Matter of fact, the singer and bass player from this album was a member of Deep Purple a few years after this fact. But in 1972, Glenn Hughes was singing for the band Trapeze. And this is one of those bands I feel that never got their proper due, at least as far as I know, conversations in America. I don't know how well they did in London in their native land, but man, what a powerful, great, amazing power trio in Trapeze. A band you need to go back and check out if you never have. Glenn Hughes darkens a lot of these countdowns, but for good reason. He is one of the greatest talents in the history of rock and roll, and he'll prove it right here. In 1972, this album, You Are the Music, We're Just the Band, it came out. It absolutely kills. If you like rock music in any kind of way, you must own this record. I don't know who Neil Slavin is. I know he's the producer of the album, but with a band this talented, I feel like you just go in and hit record. Let the magic happen. Let me know what you think. So why waste time? Check out the greatness of Glenn Hughes along with Trapeze. This is Coast to Coast. Just passing 
Coming in at number 15, the top albums of 1972, Trapeze with You Are The Music, We're Just The Band. Man, that song, Coast To Coast, that's one of the best songs recorded in the entirety of 1972. That's a great freaking song. The rest of the album is actually heavier than that, but that is the best song on the record. That is a perfect song. All right. Moving on here, album number 14 of 1972. Yet another album I expected to be in the top 10 when I first started reviewing these records. But hey, number 14, not bad at all. This album came out on September 8th, 1972. It was produced by a gentleman who actually wrote the title track and gave it to this band. The producer's name was David Bowie. The name of the band was Matha Hoople. And the album was called All the Young Dudes. Just a damn near perfect rock album. It's essential for a reason. All you gotta do is just listen to it. It's got all the fun, all the attitude, all the bad boy stuff about rock and roll that's great. And it's very British also. And Ian Hunter, one of the great writers of all time. So even though Bowie wrote the title track, Ian Hunter is a phenomenal writer and singer in his own right. I know Bowie admittedly borrowed a lot of vocal nuances from Ian. So Ian, just super duper talent. I've been getting into a lot more of his solo stuff as the years have gone on. He's just always, it's always a good idea to put on his stuff. And of course, it's always a great idea to put on a Mott the Hoople record. If you have nothing by him, start with this one. Why not? Makes sense. And even though I've been going a little obvious from time to time on this countdown, I'm not going to play the title track as tempting as that is. I'm going to go with this one right here. I think it personifies the record as a whole. This is One of the Boys.
Coming in at number 14, the All the Young Dudes album by Martha Hoople. That song was one of the boys. Actually, that song was co-written by Ian Hunter and Mick Ralphs, who's the other guitar player in Martha Hoople. Mick actually wrote the closing number on that album called Ready for Love, which became a big hit later on for the other band he helped get started, Bad Company. So Mick Ralph's also an important figure in this decade. Just wanted to point that out there. I just played you one of the boys, and speaking of the boys, some of my favorite boys of all time, coming in at number 13, which is kind of apropos because 13 is considered a jinx number, and this album is probably one of the biggest flops on this entire countdown as far as initial sales go. And honestly, to this day, it doesn't sell very well. But it's definitely one of my favorite albums by the Beach Boys. This album came out on May 15th of 1972, and at the time, barely even marketed as a Beach Boys song. It was marketed under the name Carl and the Passions, which was the original name of the Beach Boys prior to that name. Carl and the Passions, of course, a nod to Carl Wilson being the de facto band leader in the band now that Brian Wilson had been, you know, pretty much MIA for the last few years. So they went with this as kind of a, you know, a nod to their early days. It's not any kind of return to roots. So it's just a tribute to them as youths, not so much playing the music of their youth. So all that being decently confusing, not really saying this is a Beach Boys thing, also, of course, hurt the record massively. But honestly, the band was getting zero love at this time anywhere for the most part, except maybe overseas. Coming off two amazing records of theirs that you should own, Sunflower and Surf's Up. This album comes out, it's not as good as those records, but there's some notable stuff on here. It's the first album to feature Blondie Chaplin and Ricky Fatar, who are amazing musicians. They were great additions to the Beach Boys. And a lot of people still don't realize this. They were made full members at the time, and they were both African-American gentlemen. I mean... Like, is there anything that people perceive as being less like the Beach Boys than that? Which, this shouldn't be considered headlines or anything, but it happened. And a lot of people still don't realize this happened. So, you know, just feeling the need to point it out, I guess. But the thing that makes that announcement notable is Blondie Chaplin is just a phenomenal singer. His placement in the band, they put him right up front for a while and he turned in some amazing stuff. And to this day, you can go see Brian Wilson play shows. And Blondie's there. He's a member of the band still. And he sings the songs that he did with the Beach Boys. And man, it's still got a killer voice. I love to see him out there. It's super cool. This album, it's not a perfect album. It gets in on this list for me just because I like a lot of the songs on there. I don't think it's paced very well at all probably the worst paced album in the top 20 for sure you got these two dennis wilson solo songs on there that are like really really wistful ballads and they don't really belong on the record and they definitely seem like he did these songs on his own you don't feel like anybody else in the band's playing on it so there's that but hearing songs like here she comes and marcella and all this is that everything's forgiven when I hear those songs. So this album, it's number 13 on this list for a reason. I think you should check it out if you got a decently adventurous ear. And here's my overall favorite song on here, just to also put over the fact how amazing of a singer the Blondie Chaplin was and is still to this day. This one he just shines on. It's a song he co-wrote with Ricky. This is Hold On Dear Brother. 
Hold on, dear brother, right there by the Beach Boys featuring the great Blondie Chaplin on lead vocals. In the past, when I've worked in stores and I played that, some people will be like, is that the band? You know, the band or some other stuff. But there's only maybe like two songs that sound like Beach Boys songs on there. So it's a weird record, but I really dig it. Carl and the Passions, So Tough by the Beach Boys. Yeah, you got the Beach Boys playing basically country music with South Africans in the band. It's... Talk about a band trying to get away from their image at that point. But moving on here to album number 12, another album that probably one of the more famous albums of 1972 that I have no nostalgia for, had really never listened to it or put it on. I've never owned it. It's just one of those albums I've always heard about. So going into it, I kind of had that thing. It's like, yeah, we'll see. And... Even though I'm familiar with some of this band's work and even some of its members who would go on to do things later on or even prior to this. I don't know why I've never listened to this record before, but I'm really upset with myself. And it's one of those, man, I should have been listening to this 100 years ago. It is great. You hear so much of this influence, not only in my heroes, but even the bands that came around in the 90s that had a great sense of classic rock. 
talking about this band Humble Pie and the album Smokin'. Came out in March of 72, self-produced. What to say? I talked about this earlier in the countdown where I said, you know, a guy like a Paul Rogers really adds to a band like Free. And no disrespect to anybody else in Humble Pie, but Steve Marriott is definitely one of the great rock singers of all time. Talk about taking a band into next level stratosphere. Steve Marriott, whether he was singing with the Small Faces or with this band right here, delivering the goods. It was just a joy to listen to this record for the first time ever, top to bottom recently. And I'm all about it right now. I think for an album I had no nostalgia for, coming in at number 12 of the entire year, when I pretty much have nostalgia for almost everything from here on out, or at least I've been around it for a while, I think that says a lot and is a testament to how great this album is. So you, as a rock fan out there, should also own Smokin' by Humble Pie if you don't already. I'm probably the last one on the block to get it. I totally understand. But man, great album. If, if for some reason you don't have it, you gotta get it. I'd always heard Kiss, especially Paul Stanley, sing the praises of Humble Pie. And I do have Rockin' the Fillmore. I think Rockin' the Fillmore are one of the great live albums of all time. And this album, Smokin', has proven to be one of the great studio rock albums of all time. So they nailed it on both ends. And then you hear a band like the Black Crows and you hear where they got it from. That's not an insult to them either. They just have good taste. Obviously listening to a lot of Humble Pie, a lot of Faces, a lot of Stones. Good bread and butter right there, for sure. So yeah, get into this album, Smoking, if you hadn't already. I know I said that already, but check out this song right here. My favorite song on the album currently. This is You're So Good For Me.
All right, You're So Good For Me by Humble Pie off the classic album Smokin', an album you should definitely have. What else could I say? They said it all right there. Now let's kick things up a notch as we close the show out, at least on a more upbeat tempo. We did two ballads in a row right there, but let's get in to one of the all-time kings of power pop music, a band that came along in the early 70s and really just put their stamp on being the, the standard bearer for this particular genre and just proof positive that simplicity in pop music in the classic sense should never be considered a lesser law. It is, in fact, just law. But the Raspberries, this band from Cleveland that came out in the early 70s, they put out their first two albums in 1972. So I'm going to make this one a tie here at number 11. Self-titled, the Raspberries album, came out on April 10th, 1972, produced by Jeremy Einer. And their second album, Fresh Raspberries, or just Fresh, came out November 13th, 1972, same producer. These are just exercises in catchiness and all the fun and all the smiles. But even when they go the ballad route, super quality as well. These two albums for me basically play as a greatest hits. I mean, it's extremely hard to choose. And I don't think either album is better than the other. Maybe in a push, I would say the first album is slightly better. But there's really not much of a drop-off in the sophomore record, which is another thing that bands don't pull off very often. But that all being said, I think my favorite song from either of those two albums is the kickoff track on the second album, Fresh Raspberry. So we're going to go with that one. I think this is the best representative, maybe short of Go All The Way, as this is really what the band's all about. So closing off the show here today in fine fashion, the Raspberries and I Want To Be With You.
Closing off the show here tonight and coming in at number 11, it's a tie. The first two Raspberries albums, The Raspberries and Fresh. Go get both of those records. There's a nice, I think it's still decently affordable, complete studio albums of The Raspberries set out there on CD. If you can find that, get it. It's definitely worth the cash. Just one of the great bands ever. And honestly, a greatest hits. You can't go wrong with any greatest hits of theirs either. They put out like a 20-song Greatest Hits about 20 years ago. Worth pursuing. I feel like Paul Stanley would be very disappointed and upset with me over these last two entries being what would be considered normally too low. But if he had a peek at my top 10, I think all would be forgiven. So if you're intrigued at all, join me, won't you, on the next episode. We'll get into the top 10 albums, the Big Daddies of 1972. It's going to be a happening. So until then, stay tuned for my better half, Nola, with the plugs and the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at rockstrikes 10 and the direct email is rockstrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have Rockstrikes 10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on Sirius XM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun.
Postgame show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it.